Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Hey there, my name is Mike Parejo. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at RVCC, and one of the best things that I think that came out of the pandemic is, it's going to sound weird to you, but it's the TV show Ted Lasso. It's something that can only be found on Apple TV Plus, so you have to get a subscription to that. But I would say it's totally worth it to watch it. And picture on your screen, you're going to see uh, Ted Lasso in the center there with the most outstanding mustache. And there's a yellow sign in the background that says believe. So if you've ever seen that sign anywhere, you know, somebody has, you know, printed a picture of it, or maybe you saw it in a meme somewhere, that's where the Believe sign comes from the show Ted Lasso. Now, the the show is is the story about this American football coach. He's, He's a college football coach, and he's hired to be the football coach of an English league premier team. And now, as you may already know, English football is what we would refer to as soccer. So to be honest, the premise of the show doesn't make any sense at all. There's no way that an English soccer team would hire an American football coach to to, to coach their team, but that's beside the point. Like, it doesn't matter because the show is so good despite the the goofy, unrealistic premise for it. Season one of Ted Lasso may actually be my favorite season of television ever. I mean, it's just just that good. It's this underdog story with just boundless boundless positivity and, and all sorts of incredible heart to it. And, and, and I want to show you one of my favorite scenes from season one. And in this scene, Ted has been challenged to a game of darts by a guy named Rupert Mannion. And Rupert is the former owner of the team, AFC Richmond, that, that Ted coaches. You know, he, he divorced his wife and his wife, Rebecca, now owns the team. And she actually hired Ted as kind of a way to stick it to her ex-husband. And so they are, they're about to play a, a game of darts in this English pub. And, and Rupert sees this bet as an opportunity to get some control back over the team. He just makes some assumptions about Ted that this American probably has no idea how to play darts. It'll, it'll be an easy win, you know, build up his pride, all that good stuff. And as we're going to see, he builds up a pretty sizable lead in this game. And we're going to see the exchange that happens right towards the end of the game. So check it out. Mate, what do I need to win? Two triple 20s and a bullseye. (laughs) Good luck. Mm. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Because if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? (laughs) Which I would have answered, Yes, sir. 
every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Barbecue sauce. So Rupert's judgment of Midwestern, Southern drawl speaking Ted Lasso, uh, it costs him the game in, in, in a bit of pride as well in front of all those people. And it's interesting because Rupert is one of the few characters in the show who has almost no character growth whatsoever during the course of the show. He, he, he starts off as kind of this heel and you know, at the end of the season one, he's, he's still a heel. He, he doesn't grow at all. You know, and, and we see in this scene that he's, he's judgmental or he's, he's critical of Ted. He, he dismisses him. And if, if, if he even had a shred of the curiosity that Ted had talked about, he could have experienced a different outcome and, and maybe even grown some as an individual. Now, we are in week two of our series called Movement. Uh, as a church, we want to see everybody taking steps of, of personal growth in their journey with, with God. And last week, Jeff opened up the series and he was talking about the idea of, of moving from spiritual apathy to openness. And something interesting happens when when we become open to exploring something new uh, or we engage in, in a new relationship with someone, we, we come to this crossroads where we get to know a person or we get to, you know, uh, we get in this new situation and we come to this, this crossroads or, or, or a fork in the road where something that we might initially be open to, we now have the opportunity to become critical of that thing or that person. You know, have you ever heard a new idea and your immediate thought was, that is a terrible idea. That will never work. Let me give you an example. I'm assuming that some of you watching remember uh, the, the video chain Blockbuster Video. I mean, Blockbuster Video was the biggest name in video rentals, you know, back, back in the 90s. I mean, Hollywood Video, like, they, they, they didn't stand a chance against those guys. Now, back in the year 2000, there was a small, struggling uh, video company that, that had been trying a new model. They were attempting to allow people to rent movies uh, through the mail, that they would, they would mail you a DVD. And they offered this, this free trial to subscribers uh, just to be able to kind of build up their business and get a bunch of customers, which was great in, in growing the number of subscribers, but it wasn't so great for the bottom line. I mean, they were losing money hand over fist because they were giving away free trials of it. And so people were checking it out and so they weren't making a whole lot of money. And the owners of this small video chain, they were able to get a meeting with some of the top, top executives at Blockbuster Video. And they went before these top executives and they offered to sell their little company to Blockbuster Video for, for the big price of $50 million, which, okay, like that's, that's, that's a sizable amount, but for a company like Blockbuster, that, that wasn't gonna be much at all. Now, the executives, while they were open initially, you know, that they, they were you know, willing to learn about this little company, they, they quickly moved to being critical. And, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that their thought process was something to the effect of like, why do we want to buy this company? Like, why would anybody want to get their videos through the mail when they can do what they've always done and they can just drive to our store and they can look at the walls of VHS tapes and pick whatever movie they want. This is how it's always been done. Why would somebody want to wait to get it through the mail? Like this, this seems silly. And so they passed on the offer. And as history has shown, Blockbuster, well, they're not around anymore. 
I mean, there is one Blockbuster store left in Bend, Oregon. And so if you're ever driving through Bend and you want to see a relic of the 90s, go ahead and check out the Blockbuster video there. Perhaps the video executives at, at Blockbuster should have been a bit more curious about this little company, a company that we now know today as Netflix. So today I, I want to address this, this second step of movement, going from being critical to being curious. And so before we go any further, you need to understand that this is a message that's for everybody. This isn't just for people who don't really know what they believe. I mean, from people who you know, think that faith is kind of silly, I mean, having a faith in a higher power is kind of pointless, you know, to people that you know, their faith is in Jesus. They have made Jesus their Lord and Savior, and they are living for Him with everything. This is a message for, every, for everybody, no matter where you fall in the faith spectrum. My prayer today is that you would choose to be curious rather than judgmental. And so we're going to be spending some time in the book of Acts, chapter 26. And so if you have your Bible or if you've got the Bible app on your phone, you can find your way over to, uh, to Acts chapter 26. We're going to get there in a minute. And we're going to focus our time on a man named Paul. And, and Paul is responsible for writing 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. And when I say book, when he wrote them, they weren't books. They were, they were letters that he would write to individuals or churches, you know, kind of some of the thoughts to teach and to encourage them. And while Paul didn't write the book of Acts that we're going to read from, he is prominently featured in it. His, his life takes up a good portion of 17 of the 28 chapters of, of the book. And what we find in, in chapter 26 is, uh, is, is this man, King Agrippa. And King Agrippa, who was Jewish, and his sister Bernice have come to Caesarea because they've come to visit the new governor, Festus. They're, they're looking to kind of create some bonds and, and, and pay, pay homage to him. And at that point in time, Festus had uh, Paul as a prisoner, and he was preparing to send Paul to Rome to go before the emperor. And Festus is having this conversation with Agrippa saying, like, I'm not really sure what to do with this guy. Like, there were these weird religious charges that the Jewish people brought up. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to kick the case over Jerusalem. Uh, but, but, but as I'm trying to kick the case over, Paul makes this demand and he, he appeals to go before Caesar. So that, that's where I'm, I'm going to send him because that's, that's his right as a Roman citizen. And this case, as, as Agrippa's listening, it, it interests him, and, and he wants to hear from Paul directly. And so Paul is brought before Agrippa and his sister Bernice and a large audience of kind of the movers and the shakers of the city, the, the powerful and the influential. And Paul, as he's brought before this often, he, he begins to share his story of how he actually began as a Pharisee, and a Pharisee was, was a sect of the Jewish religion. He began as a Pharisee persecuting Christians. And, and while he was on this mission to persecute Christians, God gets his attention in a really dramatic way. He, he's on the way to persecute more Christians in the city of Damascus, and on his way there, he is blinded by this light that Paul describes as being brighter than the sun. And this voice calls out to him, and the voice identifies itself as Jesus. You know, he says, you know, God, you know, who, who are you? And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus. You know, he, he gets Paul's attention in a pretty big way. And so then Paul tells his audience how God, you know, gives him this new mission. Jesus gives him a new mission and a new vision that he is to go and to be a witness of Jesus 
everywhere that he goes, that he is going to preach the good news of Jesus to both the Jews and to the Gentiles. And, and Gentile is just a term for anybody that isn't Jewish. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story in Acts 26, starting in verse 22. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and, as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. So I think it's really interesting to see the different reactions to Paul's testimony. The first reaction is from Festus, and Festus has gone the critical route, okay? He is not curious. He is completely critical, uh, if not being super judgmental of Paul. Paul, you're crazy. You are insane. Like, what you're saying makes no sense whatsoever. Like, just stop. You, You just need to stop. He's literally shouting at Paul, (laughs) accusing of being insane. He's clearly got no interest whatsoever in asking questions or learning anything more. He's just done all the stuff that he's talking about. It's it's so far out there, forget about it. But then we've got Agrippa. And contrary to, to Festus, the governor, King Agrippa, he doesn't shut down the conversation. He doesn't say like, Festus, this guy's a loon. Like, just just lock him up and you know, send him to send him to Caesar as quickly as you can. Like, I, th- there's nothing that I'm interested in here. Like, he he's curious. He he wants to hear what Paul has to say. Like, wh- what else is this guy gonna say? You know, and and in verse 22, what we read is that that Paul makes this connection with what he has said and everything that had been foreshadowed in the Jewish scriptures, you know, the books of Moses and the prophets. And, and, and when Paul is addressing Festus's critique of being insane, you know, he says, no, like, look, the, the king knows what I'm talking about. Festus, you, you, you don't get it, but, but King Agrippa, he knows. You know, in verse 26, again, he says, the king is familiar with these things and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. So Paul is making this direct appeal to King Agrippa. Again, King Agrippa is Jewish, okay? So he already knows what Paul is talking about. Both men are well aware of the prophecies that were found in the Old Testament referring to the Messiah. And now Paul has made his case for Jesus being the Messiah, and yet what we see in Agrippa is that he's still, he's still not sure. While he's not shutting down Paul and sending him away, he, he doesn't answer Paul's question like, you know, do, do you believe the prophets? He says, mm. and he answers with another question. He says, well, do, do you really think that what you've said is enough to convince me, the king, to, to follow Jesus? Like, is, is that what you think right now? Like, he, he's not there yet. 
but Paul has certainly given him numerous reasons to be curious. And so my, my hope for you, for, for those of you who aren't quite sure what you believe about Jesus at this point, and, and, and maybe you've even found yourself judgmental of people who do follow Jesus. I know that's certainly how I was before I started following Jesus. You know, my, my hope for you is that you would be curious to learn more. Uh, and so what I would encourage you to do is, is to start with what you do believe. Consider what you do believe right now, and then be willing to consider a follow-up question for that. So may, maybe you're in a place where you say, okay, like, look, I believe there's a God, that there's some kind of higher power in the universe. So here's a question that I would have you consider. What would be different in your life if you began living as if that God cared about you? What would life look like? How would it be different? Maybe your, your point of belief is, is right here. You, you believe that there's, there's some form of life after death. Maybe, maybe you even have some thoughts about how people get to the good place or how they end up in the bad place. And so the question I would have you consider, maybe ask yourself, okay, so if there is life after death, what does that mean? What does it mean for the decisions that you make around how you live your life right now? If there is an afterlife, how do your decisions now affect that? Maybe, maybe you're sitting in this place. I believe, you know, I believe the Bible is a great work of literature that's filled with wonderful tales and fables that, that illustrate these timeless truths. So maybe here's the question that you need to ask yourself or, or talk to somebody else about. Like, how can one collection of books in the Bible have impacted billions of people over thousands of years? How can it have that kind of impact if it's just a collection of stories? Maybe, maybe when it comes to belief and when, we, when you think about Jesus, maybe you say, look, I believe that Jesus was a real historical person and he walked the earth 2,000 years ago. I, I, I believe that. But maybe you need to ask yourself the question, well, if he was just one insignificant person with no power, with no influence, why are we still talking about him today, 2,000 years later? Maybe you say, look, I, I believe that Jesus was a really great teacher. I, I believe his wisdom is still relevant today. Okay, so what would it look like to start putting into practice the wisdom that he offers to you? Finally, may, maybe you're at this place. Maybe you say, okay, I believe that faith in God and Jesus can be a really healthy way you know, for other people to choose to live. Like if people who live that way, like that, that's great. Yeah, I, I believe that can be a great thing for them. But maybe you need to ask yourself this question. You know, what am I missing out on by not having a solid faith to rely on for meaning and purpose and strength in my life? Again, I want to encourage you to start with whatever you do believe right now and be curious to learn more, to move forward in your own spiritual journey. You know, or or if, if you're a follower of Christ, you know, I, I want to ask you to be intentional about helping someone else who isn't connected to a church. You know, somebody who's not connected, ask them a question. You know, be a resource. You know, encourage them to ask their own questions. You know, ask, you know, find out where they're at and, and what questions they have. Be a resource for them, now, that, that, which does not require you to be any sort of a Bible expert in order to be a resource. I remember several years ago, I, was, uh, I, had the, I had the good fortune of a meeting a guy in a church that, that I served in, and um, 
he was the definition of, of, of curiosity. There's, he was somewhat critical as well of, of Christianity, but he had a lot of questions. He was genuinely curious about God. He was genuinely curious about Jesus, about the church, about Bible, about prayer, like you name it. it he was curious. He had questions. And I'm just going to refer to this guy as, well, I'll just call him Guy. I, I, I can't use his real name uh, because he actually, he worked as an undercover agent for the Drug Enforcement Administration. So like he had a really difficult job. He saw things, he experienced things that uh, I can, I, just just absolutely brutal. And I, and I think you know, in our conversations, as they had all these questions, I think the nature of his job just forced him to ask a lot of questions about, you know, humanity itself and, and why has God allowed these kinds of things to happen? And it was hard. It was hard for him. And so he had a lot of difficult questions and a lot of the questions that he had, I don't think I had very satisfactory answers for, but mainly he was just looking for somebody to have a conversation with, not necessarily somebody that had all the answers for him. And there's a lot of times where I just, I listened to his questions and I went, that's hard, man. Like, I don't know. Like, let's, let, let, let's look into that some. Like, I, that's, a, that's a difficult thing to understand why, why that would happen. And that's fine. Again, we don't have to have all the answers when we're hanging out with somebody that has questions. Okay. I certainly didn't have all, all the answers, but I was still blessed because two years later, kind of in, in his journey with God, he made the decision to make Jesus his Lord. And, and, and I had the honor of, of being able to baptize him. It was, you know, one of the one of the highlights of, of my life of, of spending that couple of years with him and, and seeing the journey that, that he was on. See, at RVCC, we want to create a church that helps people become curious about Jesus. You know, a place where it is safe to ask spiritual questions of any nature. This, this is not a church that is exclusively for the, the super mature Christians and, and Bible scholars. You know, we would much rather be a church of a hundred people who are genuinely curious than be a church of a thousand people who have heads filled with Bible knowledge, but are spiritually critical. See, that was one of the issues with the Pharisees. Okay, the Pharisees, this, this sect that, that Paul was a part of, you know, they, when they approached Jesus, they would have all sorts of questions for Jesus, but they were not questions based out of curiosity. They, they were critical of Jesus. They had already made their judgment, judgments about Jesus. You know, what Jesus is doing, that'll never work. What he's talking about, like that, that couldn't possibly be true. And so when they asked him questions, they were simply doing it to try and trap him. They were trying to get him to say something that they could use against him. And Paul would do the same thing. As, as he was looking to, to hunt down and persecute Christians, you know, he would interrogate them with the intent of persecuting them. That is as far as you can get from curiosity, like on, on, on the curious to critical scale, like he, he, he went even beyond. Like there's nothing curious about what he was doing. You know, if you're going to ask questions of somebody who believes differently than you, be sure to actually listen to what they have to say and then ask more questions. Now, we want to be a church that, that provides some free resources uh, for, for those who are curious about faith in, in Jesus and aren't quite sure what to believe. And, and you know, for, for those of you who, who are followers of Jesus, you know, this is a simple way to be able to encourage spiritual conversations with others. And so there, there's a seven-day uh, kind of Bible study, and some of you are going like, oh, Bible study, I'm not interested in whatsoever. I get it. I totally get it, but, but stick with me here. It's, it's a seven-day study that is called Unconvinced, and, and it's 
It's less than five minutes a day. It's just a couple short paragraphs, like a, a devotional. Somebody kind of wrote their thoughts, and then it's a couple Bible verses to read. It's less than five minutes a day. And so if you want to read all seven days in one sitting, it would take you well under an hour to be able to do that. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's a great series to be able to, to, to have some of those questions and, and not necessarily get all the answers, but but to be able to, to explore a little bit more. And so you, you can find that reading plan uh, using the QR code on your screen, or if you go to the YouVersion Bible app, you can download that YouVersion Bible app, and there's a section called Plans, and you can just do a search for Plans and enter the word Unconvinced. It'll be the very first thing that pops up on that tab. All right, so, so for those of you who are watching right now and you are followers of Jesus, you have placed your faith in Him, I'm also going to encourage you to be curious. Don't be critical. You know, it's funny, going back to that, that Ted Lasso clip from earlier, the quote, be curious, not judgmental, that, that he attributes to Walt Whitman, uh, it's not actually found in any of Walt Whitman's works. Uh, there's, there's, nothing, there's no proof that he ever actually wrote that. It's not in any of his poems, which just goes to prove you that no TV show uh, is perfect. You know, as, as the great Abraham Lincoln once quoted, the problem with quotes on the internet is that it is hard to verify their authenticity. And if you don't understand that joke, uh, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, so <laughs> we have no idea who first uttered the phrase, be curious, not judgmental. And yet there is a biblical parallel that can be found in the book of James chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. All too often, Christians have the reputation of being some of the most judgmental people because of how we handle conversations with people that don't believe what we believe. You know, we, we want to be able to argue, people, argue with people and, and prove that we're right and they're wrong. And we need to remember that nobody ever is argued into a relationship with Jesus. Okay? It just doesn't work that way. People don't turn their heart over to Jesus after they've been yelled at and they've had a bunch of like, Bible verses thrown at them. Like, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you, you can have an arsenal of talking points and Bible verses, but I would suggest paying attention to what, what James wrote here. You know, and this idea of you know, when we are quick to speak, when we are quick to get angry, I'd say there's a really good chance that we're being judgmental, that we're being critical of another person. If, if, if I'm not really listening to you and I'm quick to talk and, and I'm quick to, 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 to have anger flash up, there's, there's judgment going on. And yet when we listen, I would say that there is a really good chance that we are curious about what the other person has to say. You know, to be quick to listen infers that we're asking questions. Uh, you know, when, when we're having spiritual, and, and I'm sorry, and, and when we're having spiritual conversations with, with people that, that may not have the, the, the same faith or believe what we do, um, or, or just aren't sure what to believe, uh, the author Greg Kokel uh, recommends using questions like, what do you mean by that? You know, ask clarifying questions. So, so what do you mean by that when you say that? You know, how, how did you come to that conclusion? Or you know, can, can you clear this up for me? Okay, th- these are not in your face. Prove what you're saying. Like, th- th- again, we're not looking to pick fights. It's not about going on the offensive and drifting into arguments. It's, it's asking questions with the intent of listening and getting a greater understanding, a greater insight into what the other person is saying. Ask questions to discover what the other person does believe. Be a learner. 
Learn what the other person believes and why they believe it. Find common ground like Paul did with King Agrippa. Because as we do that, that is how we are going to begin to see movement when it comes to faith in the lives of others. By encouraging curiosity, one question and one conversation at a time. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much that you are a God that is so big and so vast that we'll never run out of questions to ask about who you are or how you're working. And, and, and God, I think that's a beautiful thing. We will never know it all when it comes to you. And so God, I just pray for each and every one of us, no matter where we are on our spiritual journey, that we would be curious, that we wouldn't be critical, and that you would begin to provide answers so that we could take steps in our faith with you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for watching today, and we'll catch you next week as we continue our series movement. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at rainierview.org.